Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Extraordinary. Let me just start this morning with this title of this word today, and I've called it Frames, Faith and Future. Byron might have mentioned to you last week, I think he did, that we've been to, we went to Adelaide and we went down there for a very spe- uh, specific reason. We went down there for Pastor Andrew Evans' funeral. If you don't know too much about him or not heard his name before, he's a man who was known both nationally and globally because of all that he put his hand to, all that God called him to. And, you know, he was a missionary in New Guinea and He pioneered Paradise Church in Adelaide and that grew into global and national influence and he pioneered the Family First Party and then he was our national superintendent of our denomination and so much more which I won't go into but just to give you a a mere little snapshot of some of the things that he was involved in in his lifetime. He was 87 when he went home to heaven And there weren't too many surprises, but you quickly found out and shaped, found out what shaped his own life and what framed his life. And I have never gone to a funeral before where I've walked away and written things down. And I may never again take a note at a funeral. I did obviously write a few things down at my mother's funeral, but I was the one speaking at it. So that made sense. But Um, I've never walked away from a funeral thinking I've got to write these things down and I want to share three things with you that impacted my life as we sat at this funeral. The first thing was that he was a man who uh, sought first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 speaks to us about that, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. His sons, his two sons, got up and spoke. They, they offici- officiated at this funeral, and um, that's what they spoke about. They said that our dad was a dad who, first of all, was a man who sought first the kingdom of God. And that that scripture wasn't just a scripture on the page in a Bible, but he literally lived that way. He conducted himself that way. That was the whole essence of his life. And, you know, in life, we seek after many things. We seek after a career. We seek after wealth. We seek after influence. We seek after a stable home. And none of those things are wrong in themselves But where they become wrong is that they become the priority and the focus rather than what flows out of a heart and a life that seeks first the kingdom of God. And this was the priority of this man's life. And as a result, many things opened up for him throughout his 87 years. And I walked away and impact number one for me was this. How much of my life is yielded and surrendered to the will of God? How much of my life is truly yielded? I wrote that down, impact number one. The second thing was, and one of his sons said, our dad, uh, it was a life well lived. They used cricket analogies because apparently the family memories were um, 
backyard cricket with the two sons and dad would play cricket with them and one of the sons looked down at his dad's coffin and he said, Dad, a life that's been well played, in other words, a life that's been well lived, which to me speaks about a life of consistency and a life of longevity, which opened up many doors, not a life without challenge or pain or you know, loss at times, but it was a life that was well lived and a life that was well played. And at this point in the eulogy, when one of the sons said this, um, people began to clap without any uh, prompting whatsoever from the sons that were there. And they clapped and they continued to clap. And then somewhere during the clap, people without, again, without any prompting or invitation stood to their feet. And the room was a standing ovation as they clapped longer and they clapped louder. And it was a very, very, very uh, amazing room to be in, an amazing atmosphere. And impact number two was always finish well. And always journey well, because he was a man who followed after the heart of God. And the third thing that I wrote down was this, to God be the glory. As the, <laughs> this is the part where you just crumble into an emotional mess. As the pallbearers were called and the coffin begins to make its way down, down the aisle and thousands in the room began to sing, to God be the glory. And at that point, you realise that you are now an absolute mess and rightly so. And we weren't singing to God be the glory, to give glory over the man, but we were giving glory to God for a man who followed after the heart of God. And it reminded me of David, that the Scripture tells us a man after the heart of God. And as I mentioned, I've never written anything down from a funeral before, but I did on this day because I didn't want to forget the impact on my life, that the choices that we make, not just affect our lives, but the choices we make will affect potentially thousands and so today I want to talk to you about frames, about faith and about futures. And a very simple explanation today of a frame is that a frame surrounds and it borders something. A frame will determine the size of your life, whether it be small or whether it be large. A frame can border our ideas, our beliefs, our opinions and our principles. A frame supports and holds things in place. They are very Simple, simple thoughts around what a frame is. But the big question that I ask you today, what is it that frames your life? What is it that will shape and frame our days today and our days tomorrow? Because the big question is this, do the principles and the truths from God's Word frame our lives? Is that what is shaping us today because it's that that matters and it's that that makes not just a difference today, but it's a, it's a question, it's, it's a truth that matters for all eternity. <clears throat> is it the opinions that you were brought up by? Do they frame your thinking today? <clears throat> is it the ideologies of our day and of our present day? 
And there's plenty of those that are around. What shapes our thinking? What shapes our convictions? What shapes the way we conduct our lives? Because when God spoke and it was done, God knew his language and people of God who walk with God, grow with God, enlarge with God, also know the language of God. I believe that the people of God, his sheep will know his voice. His sheep will hear his voice. And with that, we get to know and walk in the language of God. When we begin our walk and our journey with God, our borders are small. Just tiny little frame borders. That's what our lives are like. But as we grow, as we develop, as we, as we mature, our frame will enlarge and our borders have become extended. It reminds you of Isaiah 54 verse 2, to enlarge the place of your tent, to extend your borders. If we've been coming to church for 20 years and our frame is still looking about this big, then we're not walking and growing and developing and maturing. We're stuck somewhere and we didn't develop in faith. We begin walking with small frames, but our frame should be enlarging and expanding. And God entrusts us with more when we are prepared for our borders and our frames to be extended. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says it this way, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. When I discovered this, it changed everything in my life. And I mean that quite literally. It changed absolutely everything in my life. I, I understood it. I got it. I caught it. I, I started to walk this out because it changed the way I saw things. It changed the way I prayed about things. It, it changed the way I believed. It changed my understanding whether we were building a business or building a church, whether we were running a household or looking for a financial breakthrough or whether we were believing for a miracle in area of health or it made no difference because I understood that once I accepted Jesus as Lord, then my life would no longer be framed by my, my opinions, my thoughts, my past, my upbringing, but my life, once I had Christ in my life, my life would be framed by His words and not mine. By his words and not my parents. By his words and not others that had influenced my life. Do you know, you can come into a prosperous place even if you started in poverty. If your life is framed by the words of God. Your life may have started off this big, small, but you can come into a spacious place if your life is framed by the words of God because we are influenced by His nature, His word and not ours. We can be limited by our own understanding, but if we will allow His words to grow and to enlarge, then everything in your life changes. I mean, everything in your life changes. Listen, we got knocked back by about, I don't even know how many banks. I've got I've lost count and it doesn't matter. But when we got knocked back by banks and building societies and everybody else, you could say, well, that's it. That is my little tiny border here. Or you can say, 
I'm entering into the place and the space of the things of God and I am declaring that we will be able to enter the real estate market somehow. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know how God is going to figure it out, but you've got to decide what you will be framed by. And God gave us a way to, it's a story all in its own. His words frame your world if you allow them. But we can be hindered by unbelief. Unbelief is a curse of a thing because it stops us entering into the place and the space that God wants us to be. Our lives can be framed by fear, framed by insecurity, and it taints and it gets in and it it just affects the way we think, the way we talk, the way we pray, the way we perceive things. But when we allow God's Word to frame our lives and His promises and His words outweigh and outlast our fears and outlast and outweighs our past, we've got to circle the mountain. We really do. We've got to circle the mountain with His words and not ours. We've got to circle the mountain with what God is saying instead of what others are saying. We've got to circle the mountain with the promises of God. And I tell you this, no longer, when I got to this point, no longer will I be stopped or hindered by my past because God has given me a future. If I told you everything about my past, you would say, how on earth did you get to where you are? Well, it's very clear. It's simply because you do not allow the things of your past to stop you, to hinder, to sabotage, and to to just prevent the promises of God of coming into, into play in your life. I can no longer be stopped by the past because God gave me a future. Amen. And you too. John Newton, who you would have probably heard of in the 1700s, was known as a slave trader. Just let that sink in for a minute. This man made money by selling people into slavery. What a way to make money. What a way. He made money and he would do these these trips on the boat of transporting people that were sold into slavery. But on one of those trips, there was one book on the, on the ship. And that one book was the Bible. One book. And I don't know how much of the book that he read, but obviously he read just enough to find out that he was a man that was caught in sin. He was the one that was the slave. That he was the one that was separated from God and he needed a God of forgiveness and a God of grace to save his own life and to deliver him. He turned his life over to God, met a saviour, a God of grace, and he was forgiven and he penned these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. From that day, this man's life, this ex-slave trader, his life would be framed by different words than what he had done to make money. Even to this day, there's barely a person that has not heard or sung those words, amazing grace. It's one of the most uh, sung hymns probably on planet Earth today. 
And the reason that it resonates with us is because it applies to people like you and someone like me, that we need amazing grace. A man whose life was once framed by sin and his past has been changed by grace, changed by forgiveness, changed by power, and his life is framed by the, by the Word of God. We are no longer framed by our past. If you are living in the past, then you need to change the way you see things. If you are living in the past, you need to know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are living in the past, you've got to take a fresh look at the cross and what Jesus did at the cross and put that cross between your past and your today. Put the cross between your past and your future and say, you know what? I may not be where I'm supposed to be, but I, my past will no longer stop me hinder me or slow me down. Somebody wrote a book once and said, you can put your ladder up against the wall representing a life only to discover that you've placed that ladder up against the wrong wall. The other day, as I mentioned, we were in Adelaide and we hired a car and went to the car park to after the funeral and went over to the car park and went to the passenger's door and I tried to open that door about four or five times but it it just would not open. I'm going like this and I'm looking through the window to see why Byron is taking so long to open up the other door and I can't see him anywhere and I'm continually trying this passenger's door to open it up and there was just a little problem with what I was doing was it was a look-alike and it was not the car that we hired. It was a look-alike colour. It was a look-alike size. But it was not the right car. And the car that we hired was about two or three parks up. And Byron was watching the whole thing and found it, <laughs> found it very entertaining. And didn't even yell out and say, you're in the wrong car. The funny thing is, I did that yesterday as well. And I thought I should have learned from Adelaide. But... Apparently not. But don't put your ladder up against a wall that you were never meant to climb. Don't try and get into a vehicle that will take you somewhere only to discover that you actually had no legal access to it. Let your life be framed by His Word and by His promises. They are real and they work and they are true. And allow your steps to be ordered by the Lord. And if you will allow your steps to be ordered by the Lord, you'll go from a small frame place into the next size frame place. And if you keep walking with God for 87 years like Pastor Andrew did, you'll come into a spacious place. Don't waste time running on the wrong road or down the wrong path. Because God has a good picture for your future. Let me talk about faith for a little minute. In the book of Hebrews, and I don't have time this morning, but this book is just a staggering book. And, you know, in the 11th chapter, particularly where to begin, but let me at least abbreviate a few things for us today because they're worth mentioning. In this hall of faith, there are certain names that you'll know of 
that I mentioned in this book, Abel's name was there because of a sacrifice that he made. Noah's name is there because he believed God against popular opinion. He believed God when they criticized him and mocked him for building a a boat, an ark, and yet the earth had not seen rain. How strange that must have looked in that day. And as a result of believing and trusting the Word of God, his family was saved and spared. Moses is mentioned there because he crossed over waters that had parted and he crossed over with Israel on dry ground. Other names that are there like Samson or David, Samuel and so many more. Why are their names there? Because they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice and they gained what was promised. What about the hall of faith with names like ours? Names like Stephen or Julianne or Jennifer. Names like yours and mine that will be written in the Lamb's book of life because they trusted me, they believed my word against all odds. They had opposition, they had resistance, they had pressure, they had trial, they had situation and circumstance, but they did not allow their lives to be framed by the events of the day. They stayed in a place of walking with me and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life today, the hall of faith. Everywhere you look, there are stories of people who lived and died by their faith. Rahab's name is mentioned in the hall of faith. Take this in for a second. She was a prostitute, a prostitute who turns her trust over to God and her house was spared as a result from a reputation of being a harlot a woman who sold her body for money to ending up in the hall of faith. Listen, when someone comes back to the Lord and walks in this room, don't you ever remind them of their past. Don't you ever remind them of their past. Don't you ever hold that over them. Because once they've turned their life to Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus has washed them from sin, they are no longer a harlot. They're no longer a prostitute. They're no longer a slave trader. They're no longer this. They're no longer labelled that. They are called a son of God and a daughter of God, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. How does this happen? How do you go from being a slave trader or a prostitute or even a man like Saul who hated believers, wanted to shut down the gospel, persecuted the church? How do you go from being those things to writing amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How do you go from being a harlot to ending up in God's hall of faith and eventually in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself? 
marrying a man called Boaz? How do you go from being a hater of the church to becoming the world's greatest evangelist and apostle? The answer is the same for those three as it is for us today. And his name is Jesus Christ. The families that we prayed for this morning, the answer is the same. The ones that are trapped in darkness today, the ones that are in addiction today, the ones that have turned their back on their faith today, the answer is the same. His name is Jesus. Future, and I'll close with this thought. I listened to a minister speak the other day. And from a very young age, he's followed after God. He recognises the voice of God in his life. I tell you, there's nothing greater in your life to have an ear, to hear the sound of God, to hear the voice of heaven, to recognise that voice. If you're one of his sheep, you should know his voice. You should. This man now in his 60s, his life has been shaped and led and steered by what he describes as the whispers of God. He spoke about how God led him to pastor the church that he's still leading today. He's been led to buy properties, church properties, and to go here and to do that, put his hand to this and don't do that. He recognises the voice of God. He even knew what woman to marry, that the voice of God was there. He had sensitivity to the voice of God. And he's followed that voice to the best of his ability all the days of his life. But I listened to his story just the other day and I I know it's his story, but you know what? Sometimes you hear something and you think, I know God said this to you, but He's saying it to me as well. I know God said this to you, but I know He's saying this to the church as well. And every time this man has heard the voice of God has brought him into days of blessing and days of victory and days of breakthrough. And it's guided his life. And earlier this year, he went to Israel. And he was on the Sea of Galilee when once again, he heard this familiar sound, that internal voice of the Holy Spirit. And he recognised it. It was a familiar voice to his life. And this is what he heard as far as I can uh, remember how he quoted it. But the voice of God rose up in him and this is what the Lord said. The whispers of the voice of God in your future will be greater than the whispers that you've heard in your past. And when I heard that, I felt a strong sense of the Holy Spirit upon me. I feel a strong sense of the Holy Spirit upon our church even today, that the voice of God in our future will be greater than the voice of God in our past. Because God is not finished. There is more to come. And I was going to call this message once more, once again, and maybe I should have done that instead of calling it frames, faith and future. It doesn't matter. 
But when Elisha stretched out over that boy where there was no sound, there was no breath and no life in him, there is something profound in the stretch. There is something very profound in the enlarging the place of your borders. There's something profound in going from living in a small confined frame into God, here I am. I'm ready for the more, I'm ready for the greater, I'm ready for the larger. There is something in the one small, because I believe that it is time for breath and warmth and life again, faith and future to come back into the church. In Genesis 5, 3, and I won't look it up because time's running away, but there's three little words there that you could easily miss. And these three little words are this, and Adam lived, and Adam lived. In the Hebrew language, it means he lived again. He lived again. See, God knows how to interrupt your life, even with His voice, even with His whisper, even with someone coming your way and saying something, doing something. God knows how to interrupt your life and set your feet upon a path that you are to walk in. Don't put your ladder up against a wall only to find out you were never meant to climb it to begin with. Don't try and hop into something that is a lookalike, but it's actually not the one that you had any legal access to. Some of us might be looking at our future and thinking, how could I live again? How could I hope again? How could faith rise up in me again? Can I find breath? Can I find warmth? Can I find dreams again? After so much has been adjusted and so much has withered in my life. And if that's you today, I know, I know, I know that place. I truly do. I know that place when breath is gone. I know that place when hope just feels to be, it's nowhere. I know that place when pain is so great that you don't know whether you can even keep breathing. I know that place. I truly do. I've been there and it's hard and it's horrible and it's painful. But I also know something else. I know something and I know someone greater. I know the Word and its promise. And if you will stand to your feet again and say, I've been caught in a small framed place but I refuse to stay there any longer because I know the One and I know the Word and I know the hope of God and I know the One that has conquered kingdoms and the demonic and He's conquered the enemy and He's conquered the One that has come to do my life harm and destruction. But I know the One and you step out of the small frame and you step into the greater and God will bring you into days of recovery and healing and restoration and peace again and you will live again and you will breathe again and you will see again and you will pray again with faith because we know the one who is greater. Seek first the kingdom of God, not last. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness because your best life flows from there. 
Your greatest business days flow from there. Your most prosperous days flow from there. Your healing flows from there. Your hope flows from there. Your greatest days are ahead of you, not behind you. Could fresh water flow from this sanctuary? Could there be fish of all kinds that are yet to come into the house of God according to Ezekiel 47? Could we, dare we even hope for revival? Which simply means the Spirit of God moving in our land, changing the atmosphere by His presence and by His Spirit. That the hand of the enemy has lost his footing. Dare we even hope or pray that way? Listen, it's possible if we want it. Byron says all the time, if you want it, you've got to build it. What are we building in the sanctuary this morning? What are we building in faith and expectation? Could it be as men and women of faith that the greater is still ahead of us and not behind us? And listen, I say yes and amen to that. Wherever my family's at, it might look like this, but I'm looking at that. I'm looking in a large place. I'm looking at destiny. I'm looking at future. I'm looking at the promises of God being fulfilled. No more will we say that our best is behind us, but rather in front of us. See, the promises of God are given by grace, but they've got to be inherited by faith. Inherited by faith. And God says, I've not finished speaking to the church. I've not finished speaking to you. And I've not, speaking, not finished speaking about what I'm about to do. And listen, I want Highway Church to be in a spacious place, not a confined one. In Jesus' Name. Father, I lift up Your church before You today. I lift up the people here today. God, we've prayed for the families. We've prayed for the generations. I pray, my God, that a move of Your Spirit would come. I ask You, Lord, that there would be healing and there would be a revived heart and spirit upon Your people today. I pray, oh God, that the scales that the enemy has placed there would drop off and fall off. I pray that ears would open, that hearts would be responsive. God, I pray, oh God, that breath and life and healing would flow in the house of God and beyond these walls, I pray. God, we lift up our land before You and we ask You, Lord, we ask You, Lord, that You'd move across our land, that the work of the enemy, I pray, would be bound in Jesus' Name, but the Gospel would spread and the gospel would go out to the north and the south and the east and the west. But God, let healing flow in this room. Let revival flow in this room. And at home, I pray. And at Gilston, we ask in Jesus' Name. We extend our borders. We allow our own lives to be framed by the promises of God. We accept them by grace, but we inherit them by faith. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Byron, would you come? Byron wants to speak to you for a few minutes. The most important part of this service is about to happen right now, and I want you to have a heart open to the Lord.
Amen. Let's give Anna a round of applause for great message this morning. I was listening to what Anne was saying and I had to be thinking there would be people here today that this is what's going through your head. After listening to that in my life, something's missing. Something's missing. And you know, that's pretty much all of our story here this morning, except for those that have found the missing piece. And his name is Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity today to find that missing piece. Because life as you know it, without Jesus, is not the best life you can live. I guarantee it. I promise that. It's not the best life you can live. And you know, God created us. And He created every human being with a peace in their heart that only He could fill. He was smart. He was smart. He said, you can live without me, but there's, a, there's going to be a peace missing. And you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled until that peace is put in place. And people live with that frustration and that dissatisfaction on a daily basis because they search for this and they go for that and they go after that and, and that, just, that just adds to the frustration and the disappointment. You know what I'm talking about? I've been there. <laughs> but when you find that peace, when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, I tell you what, that message will be your testimony. That future will be yours. I can guarantee that. And you might be saying today, yeah, well, my life's pretty messed up. You don't know me. I tell you what, it, you, you, there's a, a millimetre chance that your life is more messed up than mine was. I can guarantee that too. Let me give you an opportunity today. Let's put the peace in place. Let's replace what's missing. You just gotta say yes and give Jesus a chance. Give him a chance to prove to you that he is the son of God, that he is real. And you'll know because it'll be working all through you. Amen. Can't lie to yourself. Can't fool yourself. I wanna give you that opportunity. And so what we do in this church, we do this every service. We, we promise our people, if you invite people to come, we'll give them an opportunity to say yes. Whether or not people do, it's a free will. But at least you've got the opportunity today to say yes. We may not have tomorrow, but we've got now. We've got today. And so what I'll get you to do is, in a minute, I'll get you to put your hand up and you'll have to acknowledge that it's you because I need to pray for you and I... I need to know who you are so that we can equip you, get you a Bible or resources, whatever you need. 
doesn't mean you're joining this church. It doesn't mean that you're joining this denomination. It just means that you're, you're finding the missing piece. That's it. And the desire of your heart is a better life, a better future, not just for you, but for the generations. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. You ready? You ready? If that's you, you know it. You know you're feeling it right now. You know, you're looking at your life and going, yep, that's me. That's me. Then I'll give you this opportunity now to raise your hand. You ready? If that's you, lift it up high right now. Well, let, let me see it. Come on, let me see that hand right now. I know there's people here today. You're looking for that missing piece. Where, where are you? Come on. I'm going to ask you to be bold. Thank you, sir. I'm going to ask you for courage. Come on, there's others here. Come on, right. Thank you, Dale. Come on, somebody else. You've got two, three. Right, somebody else. Come on, over here, there's a... Is there a family here somewhere? Come on, quickly. I'll pray for you and then we'll continue on with our service. Come on, is there more? What about over this side? Quickly, come. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Okay, all right. I want to get those people, if you would. Why don't we give them a, a round of applause? If you guys would like to stir up the back, can I pray for you? Would you like to come down here? Dale, would you like to stand up and bring family, bring friends? That's fine. Come on down. Yeah, give me a round of applause. Sir, up the back. Don't you come down? Yep. There are others. If you didn't put your hand up, now's the time. Just come now. Just come now. Where are you? Don't miss this. Don't miss this opportunity. Over here, champ. Amen. What I'm going to get you to do, you guys, I'm just going to get you to say a prayer after me. Matter of fact, we're going to say it all together, aren't we? And say it all together. And a simple prayer. Then I'm going to get you to go with Pastor Steve for just a couple of minutes and, and uh, Nedra there and um, get your Bible, get your resources, whatever you need. Pray for you. And then you'll be straight back in the service. So you won't be out long at all, okay? So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come before you now. I thank you for Jesus. Show me the missing piece. Amen. 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 Why don't you take that joy? Not to go that way. Five minutes. And then back in the service. Amen. You can take mum and go with you. Family, friends, whatever. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.